This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, again, welcome to Church of the Harvest. As I always say, we're family Christ followers. The Lord has brought us together. We've recognized we're stronger together than we are individually. So we've linked arms to fulfill God's purposes in the earth together. As part of the Harvest family, we are, as the Harvest family, we are just a small expression of the body of Christ. And just like our Father, we love our Father, and just like Him, we love people. They're top priority, and we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? It is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we fulfill that through community, discipleship, and outreach. Guys, for a while now, we have been discussing our identity. How many of you know identity is important? We need to know our identity, who we are, and the responsibilities we have as Christ followers. Well, as a Christ follower, somebody who's repented, who's turned from their old life and their old ways and chosen to follow Jesus with their life. And so, here we are, the, 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 the first week of February 2022. And we just finished, last week we finished our... our um, our annual 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so uh, I, I initially meant to start the year kind of talking about this. I'm, I'm, I'm starting a new, it'd probably just be a few week series I'm calling First Things First. And uh, I really intended to start the new year with that, but, uh, but it kind of turned into what we talked about the last couple weeks is we talked about spirit, soul, and body. How many of you got some stuff out of that and, and, and felt some conviction on that? And like, you know, there's some things I got to work on, you know, we all do. And so I'm kind of I'm going back to what I had originally intended and felt in that. And, and, uh, and so we're going to talk about first things first. We're, because we're, we've got to talk about our time and we've got to talk about our priorities. And one of the biggest things that I really want to emphasize through this is that the order of things is so important. We can do certain things, but the order that we do things is vitally important in our life. We have to get our priorities in, in together and we have to get them in order. Just doing certain things in our lives doesn't matter as much as where they fit and the order of them. Very often, it determines whether you're successful or not. The simple, simply the order of your priorities. Many of us have, have started off the, the new year with, with uh, some resolutions and some goals and some things that we want to accomplish, things we want to improve, places we want to go, weight we want to lose, all different kinds of things. How many of you have ever had resolutions before? Y'all are lying because you know it's a joke because we never fulfill them. <laughs> How many of you have had resolutions before? You said, this year I'm gonna. How many of you have had resolutions that many of them you just fail miserably at? But it's very important how we order things, how we order our life. And many times it's that order that determines whether or not we accomplish those resolutions or those goals. I think you guys will enjoy talking about this. And what I'm believing is that this will give uh, life and empowerment to, uh, to these goals. And not, not just the resolutions you have at the beginning of the year, but the, but the goals that you've got before you uh, in your life, the things that, that the Lord is leading you to accomplish. Now, how many of you know that our society today is very time conscious? conscious? We're a very time conscious society. Everything is based around time. And, and guys, I've been a lot of places around the world, and I've never seen a place that is as time conscious as the United States of America. 
We are extremely, an extremely time-conscious culture. We're always looking at our watch or looking at our phone to see what time it is, right? And, I, you know, about a dozen of you, even as I've said that, I've seen you looking at your watches. You're trying to make sure I, you keep me in order, right? That I, that I stay on track because you, 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 you want to beat the, 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 the Baptist lunch rush to Guadalajara. And you know about what time they're going to show up. And you're, you're like counting down. You're like, oh. <laughs> I ain't saying that's a good thing, brother. Like the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. I'm late, I'm late for a very important day. We're running around, always checking the time, always checking the time. But, guys, there is important aspects to time. When we do things with excellence, many times we are very time conscious. And we're, many times it's courteous of us when we're dealing with others to be time conscious of what's going on. And even our service here, we're very time conscious when, when it comes to our children's ministry, our kids and our children's workers and things like that. That's why I, we've got a red clock back there in the back. Most of you have seen it before. We had to reset it because of the power outage this morning. Um, but, you know, but we generally try to end, we, we give some leeway on Sunday morning between 11.15 and 11.45. We usually try to aim, you know, somewhere around 11.30, but we, you know, it depends on how things go and how the, how the Lord is leading. But we are very time conscious. But how do you know that while we're time conscious about all these little things in our lives, many times we fail at being conscious of the time of our life? And, you know, what I've found is I know even with me and as I've gotten older and as I've watched the younger generation, many times the younger we are, the less we think about the end of our life. The less we talk about the time that we have left, the less we think about that, the less important it is. And, you know, when we're young, we think, well, who cares about the future? I've got plenty of time. What am I going to do today? Well, that sounds like another great day to, you know, to be a PlayStation day. Right? It's like, well, I got tomorrow. But young people have much more of a, I would say, a, a temporal mindset than a long-term or an eternal mindset. And I think it, it's important that we begin to look at our lives from the perspective of how much time do I have left? And, you know, guys, I'm... I'm 47 this year, and my kids are grown. And, you know, they say there comes a point in your life where you stop looking at things from the, from the perspective of one day I'm gonna. How many of you have been there? You know, six, seven years ago when I turned 40, things started to change. I went to the optometrist, and he goes, you're going to need some bifocals to read from now on. Now, in the back of my head, I already knew that because I had been for two years going, what does the dashboard say? Why am I struggling with that? But I didn't want to admit that there was an issue there, you know? But he finally said it, and I'm like, I'm not old. I actually put it off for a couple of years. I thought that meant I was getting old, you know? That same year, 40 years old, I had a colonoscopy. Jesus, help us, you know? That same year, I find myself in the urologist's office, and he's having this talk with me about prostate health. I'm like, I'm not a grandpa. <laughs> what are you talking about, prostate health, right? One day you wake up, and these things begin to hit you. And you say, you know what? I'm running out of time. 
We don't get fearful, but we should be conscious that our time is beginning to run thin. And, you know, there, there's, there's things I want to accomplish. There's places to go and there's people to see. You begin realizing that you literally have limited years left in front of you. Isn't this an encouragement? Welcome to church. Don't you feel all encouraged and built up this morning? You want some encouragement? Let's turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 7. Let's get some encouragement from, from the man, the encourager himself. Job. Job said in Job 7 verse 6, he said, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to an end without hope. Now I find it kind of a little weird and a little funny that he would compare kind of the movement of the days of his life to a weaver's shuttle. Yeah, I've never, never really thought of a weaver's shuttle being particularly fast because you think of weaving cloth and stuff as being a long, tedious process. Uh, you know, and, and, well, and some of you are going, what is a weaver's shuttle? Yeah. Um, it's this little piece, it's a wooden tool, usually it can kind of be different sizes, kind of rounded on the ends. Usually it has yarn or, or, or thread around it and usually see it used with like a loom. They, they weave it through and when they're making cloth or whatever, if that didn't make any sense, YouTube it. Anyway, anyway scholars, scholars tell us that the reason Job uses this illustration of a weaver's shuttle is because this shuttle, this, this wooden tool that's used to, to, to weave uh, threads together, was actually pretty quick in the hands of somebody that was skillful. They could move fast with it. And, and they would use this to weave cloth. And, and man, they could, they could get to moving real fast, shuttle through, you know, back and forth, weaving. But do you know what happens when you either you've decided the cloth you're making is big enough or when all of a sudden the shuttle is out of yarn or thread? What do you do? You pull out the scissors and you say, and it's done. The end, right? You cut it off. And here is what Job is saying. He's comparing it to our length of days. He, man, you're just, you're just trucking along, weaving the, your life away, and all of a sudden you come to the end of the thread, Snip, it's done, it's over. It's what Paul, what, um, I'm sorry, what Job is, is saying here. And he says, it's over without hope, woo, right? He goes on in the next verse, he says, remember my life is but a breath. And if you go on over to chapter nine, verse 25, he says, my life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of, of happiness. okay. How many of you would agree that Job wasn't in the best of places? <laughs> this wasn't a particularly good point in his life when he's writing this, okay? So we got we to gotta cut him a little bit of a break. But we do get what he's saying, right? Life moves fast. And when we look at it, actually, uh, David talks about this in the Psalms. He brings it up, and he says in Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5, he says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. He says, Lord, remember, remind me, tell me how brief my life is. And that's something that I really want to communicate today, guys. We, we, we have to remember that our days are numbered. Our entire lifetime is just a moment to the Lord. Human existence is but a breath to him. 
James says exactly the same thing. We're going to look at uh, James chapter 4. Uh, because here's the thing, guys. The Bible has a lot to say about the, how the, the brevity of our lives. And how important it is that we recognize this and we take advantage of the time that God has given us. Because as you guys know, we can't get it back. Right? We can't go back to yesterday. And so uh, in James chapter 4, in verse 13 and 14, he says, Come now, you who say, well, today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such town, and we're going to spend a year there and trade and make profit. But verse 14, he says, yet you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a moment and then vanishes. And guys, he's not talking about it's wrong to plan. It's, it's great to plan. But, but he, he's talking about people who just kind of float through life, taking life as it comes. And oh, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? When does my favorite TV show come on? What am I going to eat? Just, just, just rolling with life as it comes. Does this make sense? You know what I'm saying? But he says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I read this as he's saying, get some urgency in your life. Get more urgent. Get focused on what's really important. Why? Because your time is short and your days are numbered. Doesn't mean you can't relax and enjoy yourself. But we need to live with an urgency. There's a mission before us. Amen? I mean, I was thinking about this. What would you do? What if you knew that you only had a month of life left before you. Most of us, I'll bet, would probably make some changes. There's probably some things that we would do. There might be some things we would stop doing. But probably most of us, we would make some changes. And my point in that is this. Start doing those things now. The time is short. Or stop doing those things now, right? That you need to stop. Live with the mindset of not what time it is currently, but the thought that my life is fleeting and I only have a certain amount of time left in front of me. My days are numbered. Now, <laughs> I almost didn't bring this up, but how many of you have seen, how many of you have been to deathclock.com? Somebody sent it to me a few years ago and said, check this out. I looked at it. And so I went the other day. Uh, yeah, don't, some of y'all are already picking up your phones. Just stop, just stop. <laughs> You, you, what you do is you input your birth date, and you input your gender, and you answer some questions, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, and whether you're a smoker, and what your body mass index is, and all these things. And then you hit calculate, and it's supposed to give you this calculation of your death date. I looked at it yesterday, and it said mine was Friday, July 4th, 2064. I was like, hmm. 89 years old. That's not too shabby, right? Not too shabby. But my guys, my point is there is an end date to your life. I don't, I don't put any stock in deathdate.com, okay, guys? None whatsoever. But there is an end date to your life here on earth. Amen? And it is coming. Hebrews says that you are destined to die in this life. And you have this destiny of physical with physical death. It is coming. Again, aren't you encouraged? Some of you desperately want to know what the future holds. Oh, what's going to happen? Where are we? What's going to happen tomorrow, next year? What's it going to look? I'll tell you what the future holds. Hebrews tells us that <laughs> Hebrews 9 says that you are destined to die 
and then judgment will come. Count on it. 1,000%. I just gave you a prophecy of the future. It will happen. Amen? It's a promised reality. I do not believe my death date is Friday, July 4, 2064. As I said, 89, that's not too bad. But if that is when I pass at 89, I've got to recognize that I'm over halfway there. Whoa. Makes me go, my time is short. Right? Time is short. But when you live with this reality that your time is short, I believe that it causes you to live differently and to walk differently. And oftentimes, how do you know that oftentimes what we have a lot of, we tend to squander? For instance, well, for instance, talking about, you know, young people. They see a lot of life in front of them, and so they squander their time. I've told you guys before, I know several people that have, won the, that have won the lottery, won tens of millions of dollars. One of them, I was a student at Christ for the Nations. I was working as a doorman at the, uh, at the Hyatt Regency, the Reunion Arena there. And we had a guy that lived in Oak Cliff, right there in South Dallas, uh, near, right near where I lived. And he won the lotto, won tens of millions of dollars. I mean, you know, his life changed overnight. But he had no idea what to do with all that money. He decided he didn't want to live where he was. Within days, he moved into the presidential suite at the Hyatt at $1,500 a night to begin looking for a new home. And he lived with us for months and months. Got to know him a little bit. And he pulled up in every exotic car I'd ever heard of. And he probably is one of the statistics today. He is probably dead broke. Because he squandered what was given to him, right? You have a lot of money. It's like, you got money like that, and you just bought yourself a Ferrari. The guy goes, well, hey, the next one will give you 10% off. You get one for your wife. Well, yeah, why not? I've got the money, right? So we just squander it. But how do you know that when you have just a little bit, many times we're more careful and conscious of what we have and how we, how we spend it. Our life, our time, we have just a little bit of it, Right? And so we have to be careful and we have to be conscious of how we spend it. Our priorities and the order are very important. What you do first is very important. Priority, priorities are key in our lives, and this is an important biblical principle. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And guys, we, we think of the Psalms mainly being written by David, but this is actually Moses. Moses says this. He says, Lord, teach us, teach me to number my days. Why? Because order is important. What you do first is going to determine the rest. What you do with priorities one, two, three, and four are going to affect priorities five, six, seven, and eight. I was, Sean was talking about the power. Yeah, we were out power here almost for two and a half days. We had partial power the day before yesterday. But we couldn't get the sanctuary lights to come on, and the hallway lights wouldn't come on. It was, it was kind of bizarre. I went in the kitchen, and I turned on the stove. One of the burners and the hallway lights came on. I was like, I was like, that can't be right. I turned the burner back off, and the lights all went back out. I was like, it's <laughs> like, what? It's like, it's like, North Central needs to get back out here. Something's wrong. And we were, me and, 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 and Charles and, and um, Matt, we were, we were here yesterday when North Central showed up again, made an emergency call to them. And guys, it was just another one of, the, one of the switches, one of the fuses that had burned out on the pole right here. And, you know, normally they drop, but it was frozen. So they didn't know. A fuse about that big that prevented us from having power. It's the little things 
that we've got to focus on, the important things. We've got to get our priorities in order. So whatever you do first, whatever you consider priority, whatever you spend money on first, whatever you spend your time on first, your priorities determine the rest of your life. And why is that important? It's important because our days are numbered. What did Moses say? He said, teach me to number my days for what? That I may gain a heart of wisdom. It's wise for us to look ahead and realize that our days are few. And we talked about wisdom. We've talked about wisdom over the last, uh, a few months ago we were talking about wisdom. That wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not knowledge or understanding. We talked about how knowledge is input and wisdom is what comes out. It's the proper application of, of what we brought in. And here's the thing, guys. I probably won't say anything to you today that, you know, is going to make you stop and say, well, I'll be John Brown. I didn't know that. I didn't know I was going to die one day. I learned something new at church. Yeah. Guys, that's knowledge. That's knowledge. And, and the thing is, we really don't need more knowledge today. We need more wisdom. We need a lot more wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. Many times we know what to do. We simply don't do it for many reasons. You can make a list of the things most important to you. You can make a list. Well, these, what's the most important thing to you? And you start writing down, well, this is what's most important. This is what's most important. This is what's most important. But then go and look. Let's go look at your bank account and see what you're spending money on. Let's go look at your calendar and see what you're spending your time on. Let's go look at your heart and see what you're spending your thoughts on your time, your energy. Why is it that many times those things don't line up? Those things are generally our values, but, but the reality is we many times don't live according to our values. Knowledge is not the problem today. Wisdom is the problem. You know where wisdom comes from? It comes from God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where do we get the fear of the Lord? From his word. Spending time with him, right? It's a relationship with the Lord that is going to give you a heart of wisdom, which is why Moses prayed, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me to get my priorities in order that I might become a person that doesn't live from my knowledge. I become a person who lives from wisdom that I would make the right choices, the right decisions in my life. And a couple of things I just want to mention in this real quick before I get to my, my points is, one, we, we've got to determine to put the first things first. We, we may be a very time-conscious culture, but we don't know how to get things in order and prioritize. We don't know how to put first things first. And you guys know this. This is not a new truth to you, but you have to know what the first things are in order to get them in order and to live by them. And we can't do this without the wisdom that comes from God. So we got to determine to put the first things first. We got to determine to give focus and energy to the things that really matter in life. We spend too much time and energy on things that have no bearing and no impact. Not just on eternity, but even on next week. You know what I'm saying? Here's reality. The things that matter are the things that last. They're the things that are eternal. And really, if you look at it, the things that matter are the same things that mattered 100 years ago. And 100 years from now, probably none of us will be there, but it'll be the same things important to them. 
the things that are really important, that should be priority. We gotta give focus and energy to things that really matter, and we gotta determine to live from priority now. There must be a sense of urgency. I'm going to do it now. I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna put it off another day. I'm going to do it now. Why are we so bad at that? This is why we don't accomplish our resolutions. This is why resolutions, New Year's resolutions are now a joke. Right? Because we don't choose to do anything about it now. We find ourselves full of excuses and reasons to put them off. We have to have a sense of urgency. So what do we do first? Well, maybe you made resolutions. Maybe you have goals. And that's a great thing. You should. But we have to focus on the power to fulfill those resolutions. We have to focus on the power to fulfill those goals. Or else it won't last more than a couple of weeks. We have to have more than a resolution. We have to have the root word of that. We have to have resolve. How of you know, the Bible talks about setting your mind and resolving whatever it may be. We have to do that. We have to get rid of the now. I, I'm sorry, get rid of the, 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 the procrastination of putting things off, and we have to do it now. We've got to resolve to whatever it is that the Lord's leading to. Resolve to read more. Resolve to seek God more. Resolve to lose pounds. Resolve to have a better attitude. Resolve to get along with your family. Here's the reality. It's not up to God. It's up to us. What's really important to you? But we got to make sure that our resolutions, that our goals are centered around things of value, things that matter, things of eternal significance. I would say the spiritual things in life. Why? Because we talked about the last few weeks. You are a spirit. Yes, you have a soul and you live in a body, but you are a spirit. You are a spiritual being. And it's the spiritual, remember we talked about the spirit is priority? It's the spiritual part of your life. It's your spirit that gives fuel to your resolution to change your diet or get out of debt or fix up your home or whatever it is that, that you're trying to, whatever it is you're trying to do. And remember, remember how the last couple weeks I talked about living from your spirit. It was the last point, all three weeks, live from your spirit. If you don't give attention to your spirit, that part of your life, you won't have the power to pull off the goals, the things that you're trying to do in the natural. Spirit first. I heard somebody say this week, I thought this was good. You are not a physical being having a once a week spiritual experience. You are not a physical being having a spiritual experience when you come in here on Sunday. You are a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience. We have to determine to live from the spirit. Now, the physical is important right now while we're on the earth. It certainly is, but it's not everything. And we love to make it everything. That's why sometimes we live according to the flesh, right? we got to give our primary attention to the spiritual things. First things first. What's first? The spiritual things in my life. Because we are a spirit that is having a brief physical experience right now. Let me give you three things before we close. Three things that can help you to help to empower you to make uh, the changes to the goals. And to accomplish the goals that you're wanting to accomplish. First thing, first of three. Number one, turn your someday into now. Guys, we love to say, well, someday I'm going to 
such and such. Someday when such and such happens, I'm going to whatever. We've got to stop saying that. I don't know what it is with us, but as human beings, we love perfect scenarios. And I've never seen one. Well, one day, as soon as I make a little money, I'm going to start working to get out of debt. One day, once I get a promotion, I'm going to begin to tithe. One day, once I get a bigger house, I'm going to start a community group. One day, one day, one day. We like to do that. When I get older, when I get married, once the kids are grown, it always ends up being this, this, this win-then scenario for us. Hey, you've done that before. Come on. The time is now. And unfortunately, people put off God as well. Well, one day when I get my life together, when I get my life together, then maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go to church. Maybe, maybe once I get my life together, I'll, I'll be a witness. Maybe once I get my life together, I'll begin to, to pray and fast more. Now is the time to take the leap of faith that the Holy Spirit has been nudging you toward for so long. Not tomorrow, today. He is not going to force you. He's not going to make you. Some of you, God's been speaking to you certain things. And I know it because you'll come to some of us for advice. You already know the answer. And you'll come for advice and we'll give you the answer that you already know. And you'll be like, I know. I've been knowing I need to do that. I'm going to do it soon. You already know. The time is now. What do we do to stir up a sense of urgency? In our lives, we remember that our days are numbered. The clock is counting down. Holy Spirit has been pushing some of you to this place, and it may be, this may be a word for you that the time is now. Stop putting things off. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, he says, For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. As you may have come in with condemnation and guilt and whatever it may be, you may feel like you're a disappointment to the Lord. You may feel like you have crossed the line in some secret sin in your life and think that God can never forgive you or whatever else. Guys, God's favor is here now. Today is the day of God's favor. Today is the day of God's salvation. His mercies endure forever. He sees your struggles and everything that you're walking through. He desperately wants to give you a new start, a fresh start. And if he says, if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The time is now. There's not a day to waste. It was Micah who said, who is like our God who pardons sin and forgives? Guys, now is the time. God's favor is here. He loves you. So if you're going to put the attention on your spiritual and focus on your spiritual life, you need to turn the someday into now. Number two, we need to make our intentions into actions. We need to turn our intentions into actions. Hey, you know, we got a lot of intentions. Intentions don't count for much. My job is not just to stand up here and teach on Sunday and, and provide a place to worship. Guys, as, as the pastors, our job is to, is to help to lead you spiritually. And if you love going somewhere and if you love spiritual growth, you're going to love it here at Church of the Harvest. Because we, we are all about 
We're going to have a clear vision and a clear direction, and we're going to go after it. We we were sighted every Sunday, right? And we're going after it. That's why we were sighted every Sunday. We're getting it down in our hearts. But it won't end there with reciting it or saying it, the vision. We're going to turn our, our intentions into actions, all of them. Amen? We will always put God first. We put God first this year with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to turn all of our intentions into actions. James 4.17 says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do but doesn't do it, to him it is what? Sin. (laughs) I mentioned this last week when we were talking about the body, didn't I? Yeah, that's all kinds of good stuff. What we know... I was talking about the body. I was talking about what we know we're supposed to do with our bodies, our knowledge that God has given us. We're accountable, responsible for that. If we don't do what we know is right, it's sin, right? But it applies to every area of our life. So, I want to bring you to a place of action. We're in the fifth week of 2022. Guys, it is time for us to be fired up and revived and focused on the Lord. As a church family, I want us to focus on several things. We gotta, guys, we've got to focus on the power and the presence of God like never before. That's got to be a top priority. We need, how many of you know, we need a fire within us to pull off the passion and the dreams and the purposes that God has for us. Amen? There, there are lots of things that I would, love, I would love to see happen, but I recognize that all these things are desperate for the power and the presence of God. He's got to be in the center of it all. There has to be an urgency in our life for God to be in the middle, in power, and in his presence. Or, or frankly, we can just hang it up. God's called us to do things that we can't pull off without him. We desperately need God's power and presence in our church family. Well, I need him, his power and presence in my family. I need it in my personal life. We all do. Amen? There's a passage in 1 Peter. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And, and Peter's talking here. He's talking about the end of time. And by the way, guys, I, I, I do believe we're in the end times. I, I do. I, now, some folks would say, well, every generation has said that. Yes, but we've seen every sign of the times fulfilled. We're like the first generation to be there. I mean, Jesus said one of the last things was, he said the end won't come until the gospel is preached to every ethnic group, to every nation. Guys, you can carry the Bible school of a quadruple PhD in your pocket now. It's incredible what technology has done. There are very few little places on the earth yet to be reached. We're there, guys. We're in the end times. The end is near. But let me say this. Even if I'm wrong and it's not, your end is near, and my end is near, right? Encouraging you again. First Peter 4, 7 says, this is Peter. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. He tells us to focus on three things here. He tells us to be clear-minded, he tells us to be self-controlled, and he tells us to pray. This is all about focusing on spiritual things. This is what we did during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? It was about being clear-minded and self-controlled and praying and seeking God. And and hopefully when you ended your fast, hopefully all those things didn't just drop off the end of the flat earth. (laughs) Hopefully you've held on to some of those things. And you're still praying and fasting and seeking God like you never have before. 
But we do this, why? Because we desperately need God's power and his presence to fulfill his purposes. Let me ask you, I mean, the stats say that most Christians don't never crack open their Bible outside of Sunday, and most don't even know how to pray, and so they don't. So, if that's the case, let me ask you, how would your day be different if you started each and every morning by inviting God's power and presence into your day? How would your day be different if you got into his word, even if it just meant focusing on one scripture for just a few minutes? How would your day be different if you just prayed, even if it was just two or three sentences and talked to him and gave him your day? Guys, it would be wildly different. And I'm not saying you stop there. You grow, right? But I'm saying start somewhere. And you need God's power and presence in your life. So start every morning and say, God, I invite your power and your presence to invade my day. To lead me and to guide me and to empower me to do what you've called me to do. we got to give God our first. In our effort to make our intentions into actions, guys, we've got to focus on people. Here's the next thing that Peter says here. He said, uh, in verse 7, he said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled so that you can pray. In verse 8, he's saying, because the end of all things is near, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality, one another without grumbling. Guys, it tells us to focus on power. It tells us to pray that, that the end is near. It says to get your relationships right. Focus on others. Focus on people. We live in a time-conscious society. We also live in a very self-consumed society. Do we not? Guys, we have got to begin to focus on others. And many times that starts with us having healthy, godly relationships in our lives. That's why here at Harvest, we focus on community groups. We say everybody's part of the, of the Harvest family needs to be involved in community, be gathering together other believers. Guys, Sunday morning is not our most important gathering. It's just not. It's good. Love it. But it's not the most important gathering. The most important gathering is the one where you come together with a small group of believers to receive, to give out, to build relationship. That's the most important spiritual gathering in your life. And you guys are doing it. I, I, I haven't checked the numbers recently, but I, I, I bet it's 75, 85% of our church family that, that is involved in community groups. And I, I'm, I'm proud of that. But, but guys, I, I'm not going to be satisfied until every person is being, is being loved on and cared for and prayed for in a community group every week. Because we need that so desperately. Relationship is where real life change takes place. It's all based out of relationship. Besides that, we got to fo in focusing on people. Guys, our God-given mission is going to all the world. Share the love of Jesus, the gospel. It is the end of time, and there are millions yet to come into the kingdom that need to be here. And it's our job. So we have got to focus on people. People are all that matters in the life of a Christ follower in this physical world. It's people. So what do we do? First Peter says we start with power, we pray, we read the word, we focus on people, we love one another, we get our relationships right, we share the gospel. Next verse, verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received. This is called the time is short, the end is near. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Him be the glory and the power forever. Amen.
Guys, within this effort to make our intentions into actions, we need to focus on our purpose. We need to focus on our purpose. Guys, we will be so much more successful in this life if we do these things, if we include God's power and presence, if we focus on others, and if we stay in our own lane and do what God called us to do. Why do we like to look at others and be like, wow, God's really using them. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be just like them. No, no. Let God use you to do what he called you to do. And it's kind of funny, he kind of talks about this in here. What does it say? It says, if you have a gift for speaking, then speak the very words of God. Well, maybe you would say, well, I don't really have a gift for speaking. I'm not good at speaking, but I can, I can sweep the floor. Well, awesome, because that's the next verse. It says, then serve and glorify God through your service. Be who God called you to be. The time is short. Peter's saying the end is near. Begin to focus on your purpose. Studies say that 87% of the church of Jesus Christ has no idea what their spiritual gifts or talents are. Guys, go to class 301 in two weeks from today after church. In class 301, we address those things. We go in to spiritual giftings and, and, and our talents and different things like that. You will only be satisfied when you're fulfilling your purpose. We've got to turn our intentions into actions. And we do so by seeking God's presence and power through the word, through prayer, by focus on, focusing on people and making them a priority, by, by finding our purpose and, and fulfilling it. Your days are numbered. The end is near. We've got to go after it and we've got to get our lives in order. Turn your someday into now. Turn your intentions into actions. And lastly, number three, guys, Turn your whole heart to Jesus. And I want to talk about this for just a minute because, guys, we live in the Bible Belt. And it seems like everybody in the Bible Belt thinks they got a little bit of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. We, we live in the South. There's a church on every corner. It's just a religious place to live, Right? We, we see it in, actually, I was thinking of Mark Cohn's song, Walking to Memphis. Muriel plays piano every Friday at the Hollywood. Took me down to see her and asked me if I would play a little number. I played with all my might, and she said, what? Tell me, are you a Christian child? And I said, ma'am, I am tonight. Because you walk down Beale Street? The blue suede shoes? Because you played the piano with Muriel at the, the old Hollywood? You a Christ follower? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I was baptized in Lutheran church when I was a baby. Cool. That's cool. Went to vacation. I always went to vacation Bible school when I was a kid. You know, my family, we, we go to church every now and again when we can. I, we should probably go more, but we always try to make it Easter and Christmas. Yeah. You got a little bit of Jesus. A little bit. No priority. No urgency, no presence, no power. A little bit of Jesus. This may be where you're at, and if you are there, trust me, you've been there far too long. It's time to, it's time to get out of that. You've got to give your whole heart to Jesus. And, and, and guys, if you look at it, Jesus, he confronted this, this attitude. 
You guys remember the guy that comes to Jesus? And um, to me, he was just kind of looking for a shortcut. He's like, okay, Jesus, so, I, you know, all these laws? And Jesus is like, yeah. Just, just give me a couple. Like, what's the most important, you know? Just. And Jesus says, well, love God and love people. And what does the guy say? He goes, well, okay, but I've strived to do that my whole life. We almost think of that as an arrogant answer. That's, a, that's actually a good answer. Maybe he really had. Maybe he really had been like his whole life saying, yeah, I love God. Sure, I love people. Kind of like people who walk into church or say, yeah, I'm a Christian because, you know, I, I go to church every once in a while. I, 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 give, I give money to offering, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love my neighbor. Yeah. Look how Jesus responds. In Mark 12, 34, Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. Now, wisely. How many of you know it's wise to love God and to love people? Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, that seems like a good answer from Jesus. You're not far from the kingdom of God. It might have made him go, look what the master said. I'm not far from the kingdom. Jesus wasn't looking at him to be not far. He wanted him in the middle of it. Jesus tells this guy, you're still not hitting the mark. You're, you're getting close, but you're still not hitting the mark. Guys, I don't want that to be me. And I don't want that to be you. We, you may be here in person. You may be watching online. Some of you maybe close, but you're not there yet. How of you know, we were never called to try to get just enough Jesus. And the Bible talks about, there's going to be some of us that are going to get to heaven, and, and we, we're going to be patting out a little fire on our, on our robe there. We're going, we're going, that was close. Woo! I don't want to be one of those guys. I want to come jumping in. I'm here. Right? I'm not trying to put out the smoke on my, put out the flames on my robe. Right? Give him your whole heart. This is the top of the top priority. Everything will begin to change once you do that. Don't put it off. Do it today. We got to turn our someday into now. Stop saying someday I'm gonna. Number two, turn your intentions into actions. And thirdly, if you haven't already, give your whole heart to Jesus. Y'all stand up with me. Let me invite the worship team to come up. And guys, this is the moment. Everybody listen to me for just a moment. Give me just a couple more minutes. This is the moment where you make your intentions into actions. That's what an altar call is. You respond. Many people don't respond to the call. They know inside that they should. They have this intention. They're saying someday, one day. This is the moment to turn your intention into reality, into an action. Turn your someday into a now.
right now. Don't wait. I'm not waiting another moment. I'm not putting it off another hour. I'm making the changes right now. Are you all in? Are you ready to take action? Are you one of those that has just a little bit of Jesus? You think because you came to Christ when you were a kid that everything's all good, that he doesn't expect anything more? You expect because you recited a prayer when you were six that now you should have the presence and power of God in your life? But you haven't given your heart to him? Guys, it's time to make a change. And we can't keep waiting. And we can't keep putting it off. Today is the day of God's favor. And today is the day of God's salvation. So who here would say? Y'all bow your heads for me. Who here would say, I need to give my whole heart to Jesus today? I didn't ask if you've ever prayed a prayer before. I don't know if you ever asked Jesus to come to your heart. Who in here would say, I need to give my whole heart to Jesus? Anybody in this place, lift your hand high. Okay. All right. We got a couple. Maybe you're watching online. Same thing to you. It's not any different. There's no distance with God. You're right here with us in the Spirit. God's right there with you wherever it is that you're sitting today. Whether you're sitting in your apartment or in your car, whether you're on the other side of the world, the Holy Spirit is nudging you. He's drawing you right now. And he's saying, come on in. All in. All in for Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I invite you. You can pray along with me. You can pray something similar. The Bible says it's about the position of your heart. You're making Jesus Lord of your life. You're repenting of your past. You're recognizing that you're dead and lost in sin. And you're putting those things behind you. You're laying them at the feet of Jesus. And you're walking away from them, never going back. And you're choosing to follow him, the risen king, from now on. To go where he wants you to go. To do what he wants you to do. To say what he wants you to say. It's about the position of your heart. And I'm going to invite you to pray this as just kind of a pivotal moment. And we can all pray together, however you want to do it, but make this personal between you and him. And the Bible promises once you do, you become a new creation, all things become new. And from this point onward, you don't have to wait till heaven. The creator of the universe will be walking, in, walking right beside you every day. And when you stumble, his hand will be there picking you back up. And when you're weak, you'll find that he gives you his strength. When you're down, his joy will be there to fill you. You will have new life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I recognize without him, I am lost and alone. I am dead in my sin. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I owe a debt I can never repay. But Lord, you recognize that. And you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for me. He didn't deserve it. He lived the perfect life, but he did it willfully. He chose that cross because he chose me. And so today, Jesus, I repent of my sin. 
I laid down my old life. I put it behind me. I'm not looking back. I'm looking to you. And I'm following you every day for the rest of my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my strength. Be my hope. I put my trust in you. My Savior. My Master. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, actually, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come down to the sides, our pastors, elders, leaders. If you guys would come down to the sides of the stage here. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to come down and talk to one of these. Or if you have a prayer need, a prayer need of any kind in your life, I don't care if you need a job, if you need a financial breakthrough, if you're believing for somebody to be saved, if you are just believing for God's healing in your life, whatever it may be, I want you to come down and talk to one of these folks for just a minute and allow them to pray for you. Guys, we believe in the power of prayer. But if you did, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, whether it's the first time or the fifth time, I want you to tell somebody. It's time for the time is now, guys. The time of accountability is now. Don't walk out these doors and keep it to yourself and not make any change. Come alongside somebody else who's already done it and say, here's the decision I made. What do I need to do next? And let them give you some direction and let them pray for you. Amen. For the rest of you, I want you to ask as we go into this last chorus, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Those guys, Christ followers, you guys, Church of the Harvest family in this room, the Holy Spirit didn't prick you just a little bit to stop putting things off, to dust off the dreams and the visions he gave you that have been on the shelf for years and years, to stop procrastinating. You don't feel any of that? You weren't listening. There's things we all need to do, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and he's nudging you, and he's saying, hey, let's work on this. Let's do it together. I got you. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.